if it's ultimately quote unquote firing a volunteer, they should know why and they should have been given steps um, to make sure that that was kind of a last resort. Hello and welcome to another episode of Law and Church, a podcast for church leaders. My name is Brian Fitton. I'm here with Josh Bryant, managing attorney at Church General Counsel and an ordained pastor. Josh, you did another great interview with Todd Adkins, and this is the second part of that series. So if you haven't already listened, go back and listen to that first part for last week. Um, but what are some of your takeaways, I guess, for this this next interview that you did with Todd? Yeah, you know, one of the things we talked about was how we reproduce people, and it's one of the things that we do in the pipeline, in these leadership pipelines, is, you know, people need to learn how to do a ministry task. They need to demonstrate doing that ministry task, and then they need to reproduce themselves in doing that ministry task. And you know, a lot of times, especially in high-risk areas in the church, like your kids' ministry or your bus ministry, uh, anything that can bring some liability to the church, it's really necessary that we not just throw people into those positions, that really we need to be in a situation where we have a process or a system in place whereby we reproduce not just a job, but we reproduce a person. Uh, and if you can get the right people in that pipeline where uh, you're you're working to develop their servants heart, where there's transformation going on because they know they're a part of something bigger than themselves, that they're uh, making a huge difference in the kingdom of God, uh, then at that point, if we can reproduce that in another person, then that person comes in and reproduces that in another person who reproduces it in another person. A great friend of mine who uh, is a discipleship pastor says, we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Mm-hmm. And this is a great way to do making advanced disciples who make advanced disciples who make advanced disciples. And so uh, the the legal aspect that of that, though, is – it, you know, if you have somebody with a servant's heart who, you know, you have reproduced a person rather than a job, it puts us in a situation where we have a little bit better understanding and a little bit better control and a little bit better knowledge of who we put in sensitive positions like who cares for our children. Uh, we, we don't want to get into a situation where we just don't know the person who's watching children. And the best way to do that is to reproduce your best people in other people. Uh, and so it's a great uh, great takeaway from this next interview. I hope you'll take a listen to it and, uh, and hear these great things that Todd has to say uh, about that topic. Tell us about our featured resource today. So today's featured resource is going to be LifeWay Leadership. That is led by our guest, Todd Adkins. They've got so many good things that they've got going on over there. They are equipping church leaders in their mission to make disciples and equip them. Uh, they've got so many tools for church leaders. There's Ministry Grid, which is a great way to, to train uh, people in the church. They've got New Churches, which is kind of an online forum for uh, church planning and multiplication. They've got the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network, which is just a, a list of podcasts that are great for all church leaders. We've got several conferences and events in which you can get real practical, hands-on training from uh, experts in church leadership. Uh, They operate the 5LQ podcast, which is another great leadership podcast. They've got one-on-one coaching, all sorts of stuff. So go out there and check out Lifeway Leadership. You can see them online at leadership.lifeway.com. That's awesome. Yeah, and let's go ahead and jump into that interview right now. Well, we are excited to have Todd Adkins back. Todd is director of uh, Lifeway Leadership uh, at Lifeway Christian Resources. Todd, how are you today? I'm great. Todd, great to have you back. Thanks so much for joining us. We had a great conversation last week. 
week, and I know we're going to have a, another great one this week. Continue to talk about the leadership pipeline and uh, seeing how having a pipeline and having these processes in place is just a great way uh, to develop leaders, to equip the saints, do the work of the ministry, and also put your church in a position where it's a little bit more legally defensible. So let me just ask you real quick, what are some things uh, that as you're going into this pipeline, what are some things leaders need to look for in recruiting people to enter into that pipeline? You know, the the one-liner I said the last time was look for people that are willing to, you know, that are looking for a talent, not a title or something to that respect. And, and that's true. You want to look uh, for people with a certain posture uh, and a servant attitude, a servant heart, of course. Um, but you, you kind of want to begin to look for people that, especially in the beginning when you're first instituting pipeline, uh, you want to look for people that already match with the, that fit well with the culture you're trying to create. So um, uh, I do a couple of different podcasts, but one's called New Churches, and that's with Ed Stetzer and Daniel M., and, you know, people are always talking about a new campus or a new uh, church plant. And I say, man, your launch team is super important because those are the people that wh- whoever you put up front at first is really going to affect who you attract um, from that, that point on. So I would say, you know, if you're looking to change culture, that's when you want to bring in fresh blood that represents um that represents the new culture you want to create. If you you're like already really satisfied with your culture, then you want to choose people specifically to uh, replicate what's there and make sure that they're in alignment with that. The, but the biggest part of that though, for me, especially when you're first uh, starting out, because a lot of listeners are like, Hey man, no, I know I need to change. I, I want to create a pipeline. I want, I don't want to have to keep calling people on Saturday night when I don't have somebody. I, I want to move from warm bodies to weekly volunteers. Well, man, that's that's exactly who you're looking for. You're looking for those people um, who have a servant's heart, who are already to lead. And they might not look like a leader to you, what you typically would think of as a leader. And you're like, oh, I just want to leave them where they are. They're kind of a workhorse. I on. Oh, you have to think about what uh, that person is doing. Well, you need to raise that person up and give them an appetite to reproduce themselves. If, if they will do that in short order, you're going to have a, a pipeline of leaders. And in short order, I mean, you know, 18 months to two years because there's no silver bullets in this. Um, but if you have a, a process in place and you can get people to understand your job is to reproduce yourself. My job is not to recruit and develop volunteers as a staff person. Is the volunteer, they're the person who should recruit and develop volunteers. They know the job better than I do, even if I came up with a job, because they're actually doing it. And two, they're better positioned. They more they know more normal people um, in the congregation and, you know, in their classes. And they're just better positioned to do this. And we need to equip them uh, to do that and give them the expectation to do that. Yeah, I love that. You know, last time we talked a little bit about reproducing processes so that we're doing, you know, ministry the same way every time and we're not introducing free radicals and and a whole bunch of variables into a situation in which, um, you know, the the means by which we do something puts the church at risk. But I love this this concept of not only reproducing a process, but reproducing a person. Uh, because right. ultimately there are it, these processes, they can seem really cold and they can seem real calculated and mechanical, but at the end of the day, they're 
there's a living, breathing human being that's executing that process and doing it with that servant's heart that we're looking for. Uh, and ultimately, if we'll do that and we can bring people into the pipeline and recruit that, not only are we going to recruit better disciples and, and, and more effective disciples and you know people who bear more fruit uh, to, to try and use Jesus' terms here, uh, ultimately, we're also going to, to, to bring people in um, that, that are properly vetted uh, and people who are, are who also have that servant's heart. So as we bring in a servant's heart and we train that, that person to, to reproduce themselves, they find people who have that servant's heart, who want to follow Jesus and want to uh, serve his kingdom and bear fruit. And they bring them along and we just keep that cycle going where we're reproducing not only the process, but the person. Uh, I think that's just a, that's a great concept. Well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we, we've made development in churches a transactional proposition. It's basically, but a transfer of information is not transformation. Simply giving someone enough information about what they're going to be doing is, is, that's not training, that's onboarding. So when we did research, um, we found that only one in four churches actually have any plan in place for leadership development. And when you scratch under the surface there, it's not really training, it's onboarding. So after onboarding, they may have a once a year thing or a quarterly thing where they get up and they do some type of training, but it's one size fits all. It's for everybody. It's a sage on the stage mentality where you know it's one to many um, and then they can only get half of their leaders to show up for that. And it's, well, in part because you're training them to the lowest common denominator in the room, uh, which is usually the newer person. Mm-hmm. So no wonder seasoned leaders don't come or, or no wonder they dip out and go somewhere else or have something else to do or go to another ministry or serve in the Lions Club out in the community versus their church. It's because so many times we're dumping on people uh, or at best delegating to people. We're certainly not developing them. And the only way that you can do that, in my humble opinion, is an overlap of knowledge experience and coaching. It is training, but then it's experience and then it's feedback. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. And as we do that, that's where we see transformation happen in the lives of people. And it can't just rely on the pastors. If you and I and your listeners look back in their lives on the people, the men and women of God who made them who they are today, those pivotal moments, odds are it wasn't a pastor. Mm. It was somebody in their congregation. It was a normal, quote-unquote, person in their congregation. Where I'm from, it was farmers and factory workers. And those are the people, good and godly people, who were given some kind of system or process or scope and sequence. And they were perfectly capable of having the conversation. They didn't have to be some super coach. They just had to care enough about me uh, to walk me through that. And they could totally handle the conversation and spur me on, even though they weren't perfect, even though they weren't an expert, even though they weren't a coach. But they would not have been able to do that without a specific framework, without um, that kind of guide to guide to guide, almost. It it really is moving from a a tour guide, moving to a tour guide mentality versus just a travel agent of, hey, here's all our opportunities for serve. I've booked your trip. Go serve. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's all great stuff. Let me let me ask you this: within this pipeline, uh, what are the best ways that you can supervise that and 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 ultimately continue to develop that servant's heart? So, how do you supervise other leaders in that pipeline and and continue to constantly reproduce 
reproduce that person who reproduces that person who reproduces that next person? It's a span of care issue. Um, you know, most of us can only from this is not this is secular research, not um, not inside churches, but um, most people can only handle uh, six to seven tops uh, relationships that are meaningful um, relationships outside their family. So it's just to say, hey, I can't have 24 leaders under my care. I may be able to delegate to them. I may be able to administratively do that if I have, you know, a unique personality type. Uh, but I certainly can't develop that many people. So it's crucial that we give that ministry away, that we model that span of care. And honestly, you know, you may say, oh, well, I have six people I'm overseeing. Um, my goal is to have all those people, you know, come up to the next level or come up to my level. And honestly, that's not going to happen. We all know that. We all know that that's bad math. It doesn't work. We've seen, we've been to conferences where guys get up and draw, you know, mathematical charts on the board and just talk about multiplication. Well, that's not real life. But real life is, I would say, if a third of those people end up panning out. So I'm pouring into six guys and two of those guys, you know, raise up and, and do that with six more guys and two of theirs go, I'm, it adds up really quickly over time, just like compounding interest does. And, and I can tell you, if you make that really important and it's handled that way from the top down and modeled that way from the top down, it will change your culture. It will change your culture. If you celebrate that, if you don't celebrate the, the woman that worked 180 hours to make VBS happen this year, but you celebrate um, the person who has, you know, this small group has uh, reproduced, you know, five other leaders in the last 18 months. Bring those guys up on stage. Don't don't do something. I, none of us, none of the rest of us in the congregation can do that because, you know, we have to work or we have to do whatever. But we all can develop other people. I mean, you know, uh, change it change it to something different than what we typically do. We, we get up and we thank the wrong things or we celebrate the wrong thing. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. And, uh, you know, my time on, uh, on church staff uh, leading small groups, uh, it was me and about 55 small group leaders spread across two campuses and five different services. Uh, and, it, and it was just impossible. And the, the leadership pipeline was actually, you know, going to that first, pipeline conference that you guys did uh, right. was what put me in a position where I was a heck of a lot more effective at what I was trying to do uh, and what got it called to give me up, man. Do it now. It's hard to give up. It's hard for you to give up. And mm-hmm. it's even harder for some of those leaders to give it up because some of those leaders are like, I don't want to leave my group. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to, you know, like, uh, no, I don't want to do this or I don't think I can do this. And I'm like, no, like we both need for you to do this. Like I may compromise and let you still be part of a group, but I don't want you to lead a group and lead these other, you know, six leaders in ministry. But I know that I'm not going to be near as effective um, as they are at the end of the day when it comes to developing those people and yep. moving them along. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. And then, you know, from a legal perspective, if you're trying to supervise 50 or 60 people or 24 people or whatever the case may be, and something goes wrong, uh, you know, in youth ministry, the student pastor is trying to supervise 24 different small group leaders, and one of those small group leaders goes and, and uh, you know, has a food fight where they're throwing whole cans of food at each other without, uh, 
thinking through this a little bit better. Ultimately, that student pastor is not able to properly supervise all 24 of those people. And then if something happens, somebody gets hurt and I go to court, the first thing the plaintiff's attorney is going to ask is, how many other people do you supervise? And if the answer is 24, call your insurance company because uh, it's right. going to put you in a bad, bad situation. So ultimately, though, we're going to get to a point in any time where we're leading people where uh, at some point um, we're going to have to have some hard conversations with people. Either something's not working out or, um, you know, there's hope, hopefully not, but maybe there's been a moral failure or whatnot. And we need to ha- have a conversation with the person. Right in which we ask them, hey, we need, to, we need to pull you out of this pipeline. So what would you tell a leader who needed to step in and, and correct some, some conduct or coach somebody or maybe even get them out of that pipeline? How would you advise that, that leader? Well, I would say I would take one step back and, you know, talk about systems and processes and things like that again. You know, um, words do build worlds. So as a church staff, everybody agreeing on some terminology like, you know, please don't call the, the person who, you know, sets up coffee for the 930 hour a director of something. Um, and then beyond that, make sure that everybody from your staff all the way down to uh, the most entry level volunteer role has a role description so that they know what the expectations are. Um, so that they can be followed. And again, you know, for, hey, we just want to be good stewards. But on top of that, you know, making sure that it's clear what this person is being asked to do and not to do uh, is there. The additional thing to that is I would say making sure that there's a check-in process that um, is for our development uh, perspective, but also that people are enlisting for a specific amount of time and that you're having reviews with people. So, I'm shocked at how many staff people don't have a job description. And uh, I'm also very shocked at the number of volunteer roles in a church that don't have a role description or a job description or whatever you want to call it. But the big thing is making sure that that's clear and making sure that you have a regular cadence of accountability. Um, And people are like, you had, you had performance reviews with volunteers. Yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. we did. Because part of it was a development thing. It wasn't, we're going to, you know, tell them all these things that are wrong. It's like, hey, here's what I see in you. Yeah, we can address things that need to be addressed. It should, we shouldn't wait till a review to do that. But um, to do that, and then it also allowed us to document any time that there was an issue. So that documentation was important. Okay. So all that said, uh, inevitably, when you have that hard conversation, it's not the first time you've had that hard conversation. I mean, you, you've had that. Um, if it's ultimately, quote unquote, firing a volunteer, they should know why. And they yeah. should have been given steps um, to make sure that that was kind of a last resort. You know, there's always going to be people that it's either a mismatch in the position or it's a mismatch in their competency. Um and despite your your best efforts, there's there's going to be situations where you're going to have to remove that person. And hopefully you're able to reposition them somewhere else. It's not a straight removal. But, you know, there are situations where um, whether it's church discipline issue or, or whatever, where you're going to at least have to remove them at least for a time uh, and, and maybe restore them down the road. But. Yeah, I hope hopefully I'm getting to um, answering your question. You may yeah. need to rephrase it. 
Yeah, no, no, that's great stuff. You know, and, and William Vanderblumen was on, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe. And we talked about that from a, a staffing perspective is that, you know, at the end of the day, when we get to those hard conversations, there cannot be surprises. Um, no. and, and we need to be having these conversations over and over and over again. Uh, and that works the same way with volunteers. We've got to have those types of conversations. And, and, and ultimately, we have to have the courage uh, to be able to step in and do that. You know, if we know there's an issue, uh, if we know somebody is not following uh, the procedure or the process system, whatever that we've got out, or if they're constantly working outside of policy, or uh, if there's moral failure, moral failure, or something else along those lines, and we don't act on it, that just puts your church in so much more legal trouble. If you know there's an issue and don't do anything, and then somebody ends up getting hurt, or there's uh, you know some sort of incident, and the church gets sued, again, you're right back in that situation where arguably you're not just negligent, you could be looking at what we call gross negligence, uh, where now we're talking maybe even punitive damages, which your insurance company probably isn't going to cover. Um, so, you know, we've got to be able to supervise. We've got to be able to make sure we've got the right people in the pipeline. We've got to make sure that if we have to have a hard conversation, we can have that hard conversation and, and that there aren't surprises, that there's proper documentation, all of that stuff that you just talked about. Uh, it's just so great for not only um, – the legal aspect of it and making sure that we have the documentation necessary, which lawyers love documentation. They kill trees all the time. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we're also in a situation where we're ad- advancing the kingdom. That's the whole point. Uh, and if we're not advancing the kingdom, then you don't need a lawyer. Um, we don't, we don't need to mess with the, the legal stuff. You still want to, but at the end of the day, the point is that's completely unimportant compared to the, this, this idea that we have to make disciples, we've got to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And this pipeline is just a great way to do that. Todd, any last thoughts on, uh, on the questions that we've covered today? You know, I think the biggest thing, uh, it, it comes back to clarity. You think that you are a lot more clear with your volunteers than you are. You think that you're more clear with your succession plan when the reality is it's basically a 24 hour break the glass, you know, one sheet in a folder somewhere uh, <laughs> that they yep. get you through the first 24 hours and some major things, but it really isn't an actual plan. Uh, there's all these things that, you know, we think we're clear on, and I would challenge you to go back and audit these. I would challenge you to ask real people in your congregation or real leaders um, how you're doing and how clear these things are. Because again, a lot of this comes back to clarity in your strategy, uh, clarity in your systems and processes, clarity in your language, clarity in the skills that you're asking people to do, clarity in the job or the role that you're asking them to do and the expectations that you have. A lot of these things are cleaned up when you have clarity, a lot of these things are avoided when you have clarity. But most importantly, we make it easier for people to grow in their faith in Christ and use their gifts and service to Christ. Yeah, that is the most important thing. Yeah, and you make it easy. Here's the deal: most of America, most of our listeners, pretty much almost all the listeners, the people that are listening to this, are. Prime members. Amazon completely changed 
our whole society <laughs> almost. It, seriously, they went from selling their their value proposition at first was cheap books. Now their value proposition is personal convenience. Yep. And so it's not even about price anymore. It's about convenience. If we don't make it really easy, obvious and strategic uh, to serve, and we don't help them find fulfillment in that, we don't make it easier for them to do than, you know, somebody down the road, then we're going to miss out. And they're just going to come and sit and soak and, and go somewhere else. Yep. Man, that's a, that's a hundred percent true. Um, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who'd push back and say, Oh, well, that's just, uh, you know, pandering to, to people who want me church or I church. And at the end of the day, Nope, not necessarily. I don't, you know, they're not the ones that are lazy. They're yeah. not the ones that are lazy. We're lazy because we don't make it. We don't, we don't do remove obstacles out of their way. We don't constantly look at our systems and processes and everything else and say, how can I make it easier for somebody to be engaged and involved? How can I remove things that have drifted from our purpose at this church? What ministries were started 20 years ago that may have been perfectly in alignment with making disciples that no longer is? They're now an affinity group. Like I need to work really hard on stopping things not starting things we've got enough stuff stuff going on in fact most people don't know where their next step is because there's everybody's clamoring for come to this ministry or that ministry Mm -hmm. and we're not asking them to serve we're just asking them to show up oh preach (laughs) well todd thank you so much i appreciate you being on again it's been a great couple of weeks on the podcast uh everybody go check out uh lifeway leadership it's you can do that at lifewayleadership.com definitely check out ministry grid check out the uh leadership pipeline conferences that they have um it's gonna be a great resource for you uh there'll be more information in the show notes uh to make that easy for you to go and and get todd thanks again appreciate your time hey thank you so much Josh, I love what Todd had to say just about this leadership pipeline that you guys are talking about and how to obviously just duplicate people and, and making sure to actually set up these processes and procedures. Um, so that way you can get the, the best quality uh, volunteers, the best quality people in your church. But what was, what was some, some of your takeaways from that, that interview? You know, both from this episode and our last episode, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about clarity uh, and that we have to have clarity in in what we're communicating to the, the people who serve in the church. Uh, you know, in a couple of takeaways, if we kind of take both episodes and, and merge them together, I think the biggest takeaway here is how clarity comes about. And I think clarity comes about through the combination of training and accountability. You know, we can't just onboard people. We have to train them. We have to show them. We have to teach them uh, what it is we want them to do. And we need to be very process-based in doing that. If we can't write it down, uh, then we don't really know exactly what we're doing. In fact, there was a an author of mine, uh, one of my favorite authors uh, on process. He said, if you can't describe what you're doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, And I think it's a great point. And so if we can describe it as a process and train to it as a process and then supervise and hold people accountable so that when there are one-offs, when there are exceptions, when there are mistakes, whatever, we can lovingly go in and say, hey, remember, this is the way we do this. Here's the process. and We've got to stay within that process. 
And when we do that, again, it makes us more effective, it makes us more efficient, but it also makes us much more secure. Uh, We're in a situation where we're supervising people, we're retaining people, we're bringing people on board, and if necessary, dismissing people uh, from particular jobs that they're doing. Uh, And when we do that, we're doing what the law expects, uh, that the law expects us, both in terms of volunteers and staff, to properly hire people or bring them on board as a volunteer to supervise them, and then, if necessary, to let them go uh, and, and put them in a different position. So um, this is a great way not only to make your church more secure, effective, and efficient, it's a great way to make sure we're complying with the law. Josh, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on at Church General Council. Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about our do-it-yourself suite, the DIY suite. You know, this is the same software that is available in our client suite. Uh, The only difference is it just doesn't include access to an attorney. Uh, A lot of churches want to do things on their own. Uh, There are a lot of churches that have the know-how to systematize their processes. They just don't have the proper resources in place to get it to where everybody who needs to have access to those policies and processes have it. So uh, what, what we can do is we can provide our uh, policy manual to you that you can go in and customize just without legal access. Uh, that is available to churches, and it's half the normal price for churches. You just need to use promo code CHURCHNP when you sign up for it. That's CHURCHNP uh, for nonprofit. And ultimately what you can do, you can get out there, you'll assign and automate all of your training of your staff and volunteers based on the processes for legal issues, for personnel, whatever, all the way going to just how you do ministry. Uh, You can assign that and automate the training on that. You can document every process you've got. There are are ways that you can integrate this with other apps that you might use like Slack and uh, Constant Contact and so forth. There's so much you can do with this. So go learn more at churchgeneralcouncil.com. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Law & Church. Make sure you check out lawandchurch.com for all the resources, show notes, links. Everything is available for you there. And if you'd like to connect with us, go over to facebook.com, search the Church Esquire Club. There's all sorts of opportunities for you there. And thanks so much for joining us. We will see you next week.